You know, I, I'm also thrilled to be breaking through this huge gender ceiling that <laughs> I feel peaking is is ready for. It's definitely ready. I mean, <laughs> my mom said that after my first episode, she was like, you need to get a man on there and it needs to be less about breakups. And I was like, okay, mom, relax. God, episode <laughs> six, mom. <laughs> I know. I was like, I've had two episodes, but cool. <laughs> I know, God. Hey, I, I guess you know you've made it when you have critics, you know? I guess so. Welcome to Peaking. I'm Jess, your host, and maybe even your new best friend. And on each episode of Peaking, through conversations with my guests, myself, and my listeners, I'm going to be exploring those low moments in life that are actually our greatest chances to peak. It's the podcast I've been missing, and I have a feeling I'm not the only one. The type of self help that doesn't take itself too seriously. This is Peaking. Hey fam, hey booze, welcome to episode six of Peaking. Thanks for coming back as always. First of all, let me just say that my voice has been gone the past few days. It's a little better now, but at the time of recording the majority of this episode, it was hanging on by a thread. So if that's difficult to listen to later or not as pleasant as it usually is, I'm sorry. Or maybe you might even find it a little more pleasant. Maybe it's a little bit raspy and sultry and you're into that. I don't know, sorry, I always end up like flirting with my listeners because I guess I have to let out my flirt energy somewhere. So thanks for bearing with that and and maybe flirt back with me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it on that weird tangent. Anyway, I'm planning to keep my opening pretty short and sweet because I feel like I don't have a ton to say right now. I'm drained from birthday month as you can tell. And honestly, my last episode of Just Thoughts took a lot out of me in terms of personal reflection. And I don't even know if I hit the nail on the head with that episode. I feel like my perspective on the things that I shared still keeps changing every single day. But I guess that's kind of the point. Growth is ever changing. So what I said on one specific day is supposed to morph over time as I evolve my thinking. So that's been an exhausting, rewarding, but exhausting process over the last couple of weeks. And I just, you know, know don't really have much to add right now but in my next episode of just thoughts maybe i'll have more to tell you until then i am excited about my guest for this episode his name is drew corbett he is a friend of mine that i met through my last job and he's someone who shares my obsession with introspection and existential thought and he always pushes me to think really deeply and differently and I just love chatting with him about the big things in life and it's something that we have always done in the couple years that we've known each other. He actually was my manager for part of the time that we worked in this job together but more than that I saw him as an older brother type of figure and someone kind of looking out for me not only professionally, but also personally. So he's just, he means a lot to me and his story is really going to touch a lot of you today. He's honestly a big part of the reason that I've become more confident in my voice in these last couple of years because he's made me feel really seen and especially at a time when I really needed someone to make me feel seen. He was amongst this group. I mean, I think I can say this about all of the guests that I've had on Peking so far. They are people who came into my life or came back into my life 
at a time when I really needed them and I needed people who think the way I do and push me to think, to lean into that side of myself and to really discover this whole concept of peaking. So he's just been one of those people that has really been important to me in my kind of this chapter of my life that I'm currently in. We also share a bond of loving John Mayer, which I know I alluded to in my last episode. I I think I should do like a whole bonus episode or something, just diving deep into John Mayer's discography and talking about his new album, which I have a lot of thoughts on that this isn't the time. This just isn't the time. But John Mayer is really important to me. And whenever I meet somebody who agrees with that sentiment and knows that it's not just about your body as a wonderland. Honestly, if you think, if when you hear the name John Mayer, you think your body is a wonderland, then I need you to get out of here and come back correct. (laughs) Anyway, just a ton of his music has been with me for a really long time and drew someone who gets that. And so we have kind of an elite bond, I would say. We went to see his show in Chicago a couple years ago and we had like fifth row seats and we both cried and I hope that's okay for me to say right now, Drew. (laughs) One unique thing about my chat with Drew is that he prefaced it to me when we were kind of coordinating and planning it that he doesn't feel like he's out of this peaking moment. He doesn't feel like he's fully out of the woods and looking back on something that he's been through in the past. He's currently living it. And we always talk about how peaking is a journey, but I think in my past episodes, it's mostly been... People who, you know, are able to put a circle around a a moment or a period of time that they had that was really low, but be able to look back on it and, you know, draw insights from it and learn from it in retrospect. And for Drew, he's expressing a lot of emotions that are still really real and raw and current for him in this episode. So I'm really grateful for him to be willing to do that and to be vulnerable with me and in the space that I've created and with all of you, I'm very humbled by that. And I hope that it's that it feels that real and raw to you and that you gain something from seeing someone kind of currently process what's going on with them as opposed to looking back on it because it's very easy in hindsight to be positive and optimistic, much easier than it is to do in real time. So I wanted to keep this intro short and sweet and just give you a little introduction to kind of where I'm at currently and who I had the pleasure of talking to in this episode. I hope that it means something to you because it definitely meant something to me. And without further ado, let's just jump into my conversation with my good friend, Drew. Hi, Drew. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. Thanks. Uh, Thank you for having me on. If you wouldn't mind starting off by just introducing yourself a little bit, I like to ask people kind of what are the things that matter to you? And just a couple sentences on who you are, you know, as, as a energy. <laughs> sure, sure. So I am an avid peaking listener <laughs> and I am uh, 38 years old. I am married and live in Denver, Colorado. And my wife and I have a two-year-old daughter. And man, when you ask like, what is, what's important to me, that's become just like such an overwhelming, both like from a time standpoint and an emotional capacity standpoint. So that's a, a huge part of, of where I'm at now. I think I'm a little bit of a wanderlust sort of professionally and, you know, always have that pulse on where's purpose and things like that. So I'm, I'm 
for better or worse, I enjoy sort of being that kind of existential thinker, but as you know, like oftentimes to our own detriment. So yeah, I mean, those, those are some of kind of the big things going on in, in my world right now. There's, there's more professionally, there's more personally, but you know, by and large, I'm a, a pretty fortunate, happy camper, uh, lucky to be handed the, the cards I've been dealt. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that was a great taste. And I think we're probably going to get into a lot of what you're alluding to anyway in the episode. So we can just get right into it. As you know, as an avid peekaboo, <laughs> the way that I think about peeking is kind of unlocking better versions of yourself through life's lowest moments. You know, it's all about personal growth and going through change and bettering yourself through that, finding silver linings, however you want to think about it. And I know that that's something that you and I have connected over in our relationship, just talking over the last couple of years. But more recently in the last six months or so, I, I, I feel like this has resonated for you on a different level than maybe previously. And so um, I'd love to open it up to you to just share a little bit about kind of where you've been in that experience of peaking over the last few months. And yeah, we'll just take it from there. Sure. So your podcast, and we talked a little bit about, we've talked about the topic for a long time, but specifically as a podcast came to me at a time when um, I really sort of identified with it as a very timely call to action. Uh, more than I was able to identify with it as a, oh yeah, me too. I had one of those. And, and those are probably out there, but you know, since, since I first started listening to this and since you sort of shared the concept with me, I've been in a fairly difficult state of health. In January of this year, I went to an eye doctor to get a, a, a glasses prescription update. And the optometrist had said, do you mind if I, I dilate your eyes? I want to check something out. And if you have another 20 minutes or so, I'd love for you to stay. And I was actually kind of tight on a work call, but it was an office far away. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that real quick. And once you skip a few, she saw something that she wanted to be seen by a specialist in the back of my eye. And for a couple of different reasons, uh, I, I got the feeling that this was like a, don't sleep on this one. Go learn whatever you need to learn, learn it fast. And long story short, uh, about five days later or so, it was confirmed that I have uh, what's called a uveal melanoma, uh, which is, is a extremely rare cancer that had grown and developed as a tumor in the back of my eye. So I think we'll talk a lot about sort of the what went on during that time emotionally, but just to, to sort of give a sense of like, so what was just the journey at the surface level? Uh, so within a month, I had been to any number of specialists and, and eventually had what's called a brachytherapy, which is a localized radiation implant. And at that point, you would sort of say you've checked the box on what you can do for treatment. Then what you're still waiting on, uh, because it's very tough to take a, a biopsy of an, a uveal or an ocular melanoma. So if it's on your skin, they scrape the skin. It's very hard to scrape the back of your eye. And so you have to do this during the surgery. And so the biopsy actually took place afterwards. Um, and so about six weeks later, we got the biopsy results back. And to, to try and simplify this, there's basically a range of how likely your tumor is to metastasize 
And if it does metastasize, how aggressive will it be? And we very fortunately had a, a lower or lowest um, likelihood and aggression of metastatic risk. And so where that, that puts me now is we're through treatment and I can share more about like some of the, the physical outputs of the treatment on my eye. But you're sort of in this, in this place where you know that you have cancer and it's malignant. It hasn't metastasized as of like a few weeks ago. One day it probably will. And you really don't know if that day is, is a year from now or if that day is like 50 years from now. So that's a lot of, a lot of reconciling to do just in your own mind. But that is the, the, just like the fact of it. And so that has been, I think, um, the parameters of what I, I am hoping will become a really great peaking moment. But that's what's happened to me so far this year. Really quickly, just in case listeners aren't as familiar on a clinical side of things, yeah. metastasize is when the cancer spreads to other places in the body, correct? Yeah, and it was interesting because when they they found this, you know, these questions started popping up. It's like if you have one data point, then you know about one thing, but you don't have any relationship to anything else. And so did this come from somewhere else? And this is just where we found it, or is it going anywhere else? And so there are like a litany of scans in that five day or maybe it's two week period of, I mean, that was like the really scary time is we know it's in my eye. Did it come from your liver? Did it come from your lungs? Did it come from, from somewhere else? And so that was like a vacuous, terrifying place. How long was that kind of question mark still up in the air. I mean, I know in some ways it will always be because like you said, it's kind of a matter of time to some degree until you find out that it may have spread elsewhere. But yeah. but in that initial period, just knowing, is it anywhere else right now? How long did that take? Yeah. So there were two, there were three bends in the road that until I could see them either were still very scary or, or still are. One was what, what can we do about this? And, you know, like I said, this is not common. I think I read that breast cancer and other like common cancers, you may be between like one and eight or one in 20 people. Like we'll know people with those. This is like six in a million. Wow. So it was like, who knows anything about this? And luckily there are like two people in the country, one's in Philadelphia, one's in Denver. Wow. So I was able to see someone and, and get a plan. And that was a, a huge win. The second was, what, does this exist anywhere else? Or is this really just in the eye? Like, are we already in a metastatic state or in a state of this cancer spreading? Um, and we got those scans. And I probably lived without visibility around that bend for, I would guess, three weeks, two to three weeks, something like that. And then the last one was the biopsy of, you know, the range on that is like, do you have a it's like in the range of 60% chance that this will metastasize within five years, like really, really high, especially when you've lost on the, like the six in a million mm -hmm. or all the way down to the best biopsy result is you have like a 1% chance. And that was a hard one to wait on. Um, so those were sort of like, I would say if I were writing a book about this, those would be different chapters of what did it feel like to be with X information, but still without Y information. Yeah. And I think I zeroed in on that just because for me, something that I know to be true 
is that kind of waiting in that gray area mm-hmm. and waiting for that unknown in any challenging thing that you're going through is is a scary feeling. But what were the other, what would you call the other like scary or otherwise feelings that you were experiencing at the time? Like what were the main things kind of in your mind stressing you on a day to day, if you don't mind digging in a little bit? I don't mind at all. Um, so my first appointment with the optometrist was on January 14th. The radiation implant went in on February 24th. So about five weeks. I mean, those, those were just like, they were the darkest, you know, five weeks I, I can remember in my life. I mean, certainly not just remember that there were in my life. My daughter was one. I mean, my wife and I were just sort of like spontaneously just crying every day at like little things that you would never guess, you know? Yeah. I remember two thoughts that were uh, very tough and I'll, I'll try to share them. One was you mentioned Bandit, our, our family dog, um, who's wonderful and three years old. And I remember thinking, I thought it's Bandit's job to teach my daughter about death. And I remember being concerned that what if my daughter doesn't have any memories of me? Uh, So that, that was sort of, it was like that. And just with this like circular bottomless, like there was just nowhere to grasp to like pull yourself out of the nightmare. And I think my, my wife was so in it with me that like she didn't have anything either. And and it was, you know, we were like falling together on that. So so that was what I was stressing about uh, to, to just put a, a couple of vignettes on it. And it felt like that until two things. One, until we had a plan. And so you like you pull yourself through those those moments sort of being a blur for for a couple of weeks. And then we met this physician and and now we have a surgery date and here's some information and it's not all good information, but it is solid information that helped a lot. And it also gave me something to throw out to the world to let them pull themselves into me. Uh, it gave them something to a path to, to come towards me. So I wrote, you know, you, you were on the email uh, and, and wrote something that I, I tried to be brief with, but you know, you basically start off to my dearest family and friends Um and share what you know. And I remember at that point, like I remember writing the tail end of it and being like feeling positive because one, I'd let, I sort of like felt command or agency over this because I had written about it and told people, and here's what we're doing about it. And, you know, it feels good to fight. And we were doing all those things. And then also, I mean, the response was just so overwhelming from people not only the immediate out and back of who was on that note, but just the ripple effect of where it went and, and getting these, you know, notes of support through other people directly to me from all faiths and agnosticisms and atheisms and, and nothing even related to sort of a a spiritual compass. And that was just incredible. So all those things started to be the lifeblood of what I think ultimately took this to a positive direction. Yeah. I remember your note and, you know, I actually reread it before this episode and 
it does end on a positive note, which is very much in line with kind of the theme of this show. But I think it's interesting that you point out that the reason you were able to end there is kind of because maybe writing the note itself was one, a form of processing and two, like you said, like controlling a form of control over the situation. Like I have a grasp over what's happening and now I'm communicating it to other people. So I'm, I'm naming it. Like that's yeah. something that I talk about a lot on this show is once you name an emotion or an experience, mm-hmm. even if it's, you're still very much in it there, you haven't solved it at all. And it might not even be solvable in the first place, but just naming it and calling it something and like collecting it into a basket and allows you to pick it up. Yeah. It's funny you're saying that. I mean, one, uh, that resonates from the standpoint of it almost felt like when you finally gotten the courage to like tell a bully to just back off Mm. and, and they may, or they may not, but at least they know that you're like, you're not just going to roll over on this like craziness that they're introducing to your life. Right. I did. I was networked to someone, another, like my wife was really, she was great about, she actually took the role on like some of the Facebook groups and, and forums, which oftentimes were spouses. I think we found different people that had said like they named the tumor and things like that. And I'm glad you brought it up because that like never, that just like wasn't a fit for me. But I, I don't think that, um, I think the way you said it of like contain it, like make it a singular thing and then you can have a maybe a different relationship grow with it. Right. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I've never heard of like actually literally na- giving it a yeah, and, they, and that I, I was like, I'll, I'll I'm pass. pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that does not feel right right now. Yeah, um, but I think all you know, whatever the the mechanism, I think that just being able to like contain it a little bit as like, oh, the thing that I'm getting the surgery for, that's what this is. Right. Not this like bottomless void through which my wife's and my emotions are falling. Right. That was just a, a world of difference in our perspective on it. Yeah, it sounds like what you're getting at is almost like once you could contain it, it became a part of your life. Like it's almost compartmentalizing it. Like it's a part of you. It's a part of your life. And it's definitely a significant big part of your life, but it's just a part as opposed to maybe before it felt like the entirety of everything that that had been going on and that you were spending your time and emotion on. It was now like, yeah, like you said, contained. Yeah. I also wonder, do, do you feel that writing that note and starting to get that outreach from loved ones, friends, family was a turning point out of the, the like pit that you were in and in a generally upward or at least neutral plateaued trajectory from there or kind of like was that a springboard for where your emotions would go next in, in the journey that you're going through? Or how did that kind of fit into the larger picture? And how was it maybe a turning point or maybe not? I think if I'm remembering my phrasing at the time correctly, it was everyone's outreach, thoughts, prayers, those things had, I mean this, I mean, they became the air in the lungs of our home. And it truly felt like we were suffocating just being alone in it. And that, that was, it was interesting because, you know, I've been so fortunate in my life and not had 
we've all had, you know, losses and things like that. But primarily, I have been the person who is hearing about unfortunate things happening to people and reaching out to them in some way, shape or form, like whether more or less. And sometimes like you don't reach out because there's a sense of guilt, like, am I, I'm not even doing anything. I don't just want to send a text message. And I, I just, I can't overemphasize what may have felt incredibly trite to someone. You couldn't have anything more valuable in any amount of gold. Like it, it just was so important at that time. So yeah, I, I think that helped point in time. I think I'll cut short of saying, and so began my peaking story. But in the urgency of that moment, it was really powerful to know, even for a second, that that somebody was thinking of you. So that it stopped the bleeding. Yeah. And I, I imagine that maybe even like the timing of this in the larger context of the world that we were living in is not something that I take lightly. Like January, February, 2021 was winter of the pandemic already a very isolating time and then to be dealing with something like this at a time that's already yeah like a collective depression I can imagine how finally reaching out about it and getting that you know outreach back that pouring out of love back meant would always mean a lot but maybe at that time was like particularly um just necessary yeah I mean, 2020 was sort of in the bag. It's like, well, that was, that was pretty messy. Um, in 2021, I think a lot of people just had a, it's not like better right now, but we're definitely on a, a direction of, of things, you know, being better and, uh, and they are. So yeah, it was surprising. It was like, I thought last year was going to be the bad <laughs> year. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that's, is what it is. But yeah, I, I think the interesting part of it though, and to loop back around to, the timing of like when I was listening to your origination of this podcast and talking about negative moments being positive moments, or at least the inception point for positive moments, I'm really feeling a challenge in a positive way. Like I'm feeling challenged yeah. on that. And here's where I'm at with this potentially like we hope one day peaking moment. I'm really working on trying to develop a relationship with this bad thing that happened in my life. And it's a really tough distance to, to nail. Like how close do you want it to be, but how far do you want it to be? Hmm. And, and too close and you're living, or I would be living in this sort of state of glum, I don't know what, but um, something that's not ultimately that productive. And too far, and this is, I think, the really risky one for me is you forget about it. And what I'm trying to invite is like just enough of this to where it does help me make different decisions in my life because that could be, it's no different than anybody else. It just feels closer to me than I've had it be before. That could be a year or that could be 50 years. But my presence of mind around that, like the true depth of that as a reality is a lot sharper now. And so like, I want this to, to tell me to like, call bullshit on a job that I don't like or to say you know that's a relationship that like it, it doesn't give the way it used to give and so I, I gotta spend my time elsewhere or whatever it might be like any any number of places that you could take just positive urgency if I do this right I think it will be a peaking moment 
And, and if not, I feel like what I'm really fearful of at this point is I, I go on living a normal life and I start to forget about this until the day that a doctor tells you you can't forget about it. And if I'm worried about something still, it's that that will happen and I'll feel like, oh man, you, you were told very specifically to be deliberate with this time and you weren't as much as you could have been. And so that's like the place that I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with this unfortunate thing that happened is let it in enough, but don't let it in too much. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I, I understand it completely. I mean, I will just say knowing you and the fact that you're even conscious of that, I'm not worried about you not being deliberate with the time. Like you're already being deliberate with the time by having those very thoughts and thinking about how do I factor this into my life without letting it take over my life. But I'm curious, like what, what does that look like on a more granular level? Because you don't want it to consume your every thought, but you do want to remain present. You want to remain present. It's like, this is something that is a part of the current state of my life and maybe a part of the future state for who knows how long. And I want to be present with it, but I also want to be present with my family, my work, you know, everything else you, that makes up a life. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, I don't know how much is that something you are weighing in your day to day, or is it something you just catch yourself thinking about every now and then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is like loosely paired with what is probably an extremely normal across your audience attempts at meditation practices or things like that of you try and you fail and then some period passes and you try again. But what I've taken from it, and and that's sort of been my story with like that, you know, mindfulness practice over the last few years anyway, it's had a different resonance as I picked it up in the past six months. Just because the, like to me, a meditation practice is a, about allowing like real moments to sort of penetrate the noise and just be a real moment and just look at it and say, that's a real moment. And it really hurts or it's really great or whatever it is, but at least you like you, you sort of slowed the world down and and turned off the noise just for a second and saw it. And to me, the hope is that you can catch more and more of those and, you know, more real and, and less noise. And that has gotten a little bit easier and I think this is also like the, you know, the magic of, of watching a two-year-old or a human being grow is just, I mean, if you just set the phone down and, and take a breath and like watch for a second, you can get utterly lost in, in how real that moment is. And I think that's then a gateway just into other things in, in life, like other moments that you can watch and say, that didn't feel very good, or, or I liked that. And the not feel very good, maybe like a work thing or whatever, but it's just allowed moments that have real teeth to allow them to bite in a good or a bad way. So, I mean, you've heard me say this a lot in the last six months, Jess, of it sounds so, so silly, but I feel a hundred times of luck to the one time earlier this year that I got a bad card dealt my way. We talked about how it's not linear. Do you feel like there's natural points kind of what we were alluding to like do you think that there's natural points that you've experienced yet where it's almost like there's been a down and then there's been an up and then there's been a down and then there's been an up and then there's kind of a plateau and you land somewhere and you can look back on the downs and ups that you were just 
through and then it probably happens again. And there's another eventual point of kind of calm or equilibrium or something where you can look back. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there are a couple of things that just came to mind as you were talking through that. So one, like when we were in that January, February, March, really tough time, it was just anything to pull yourself as far away from that as possible. And so the pendulum was fully on the side of sort of fear and hopelessness and absence of information. And I just wanted to swing it as far as we could the other way. And so it was like, give me all you got. And I've said to a few people who I haven't talked to in a while, and, and they say, you know, we're still thinking of you and how are you doing? And I was like, you know what? There was a time when it was like, give me all you got. Like, if you got prayers, I will take them. Mm -hmm. And and now I am saying to them, like, I don't need them. You go give them somewhere else, you know, and, and let me know where I can give them. Uh, so there's been that, like, that back and forth. And like I said earlier, trying to find that balance to where you do need people, but you're also strong and you're all like, so finding that appropriate place for this to rest. Um, but it's funny, like I'll have, you know, a couple of weeks where I just like literally don't think about this at all. And then we just, we just finished. Um, have you watched, this is like a recommendation for all of your, your listeners here, Mayor of Easttown on HBO Max. Am I way behind on this? No, someone just told me about that the other day. I haven't watched it. It's really good. Like great whodunit, seven episodes, Kate Winslet. So we just finished that. And one of the like recurring things you'll see in it is there are kids that are in, in really tough circumstances and, and having horrible things happen to them. And, and some of them making really bad decisions. And like, this is after a period of two weeks, I have not thought about this, my ailment at all. And the episode ended and it's dark. I mean, it's like a dark show. And for the first time in months, like maybe since March or something, when we're in that dark point, I just like started crying after the episode. And I was just like stuck in this thought. It like cut all the way through everything. And it was just like right in front of me, this thought of like, God, girls need fathers, you know? And, and then all of a sudden you're like, after months of just, you know, living normal life, like right back in it, I have a, a visit with an oncologist tomorrow, which is like a couple times a year. And so it's another one where I was earlier this evening having this like, oh shit moment of like, like, what are you going to hear tomorrow? And have you done, you know, what, what you'd hoped you had? So those are the times that they come up that I, I am trying to like shape those to be fuel to say, go be productive about that fear and not just like be incapacitated by it or, or try to like push it away or push it down so that it's not there. Cause I don't want to live in this state of forgetting about this for six months. Like I, I want to be present with realities like this. So um, anyway, those have been a couple where it's like you're on plane and then you hit a low point. And like, I, my hope is that that's relatable to people in, in different situations where it's just, it's fine for a while. And then, you know, you see something or you hear something or you read something and it brings you back to a tough place or a great place. And it's just like, it's a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's just, I don't know, something that I I'm hearing a lot in how you're talking about this and you expressed to me a little bit and just knowing you, I can kind of glean is I feel like you're and correct me if I'm wrong and you don't feel this way, but it seems like you are a little hard on yourself for experience. Like you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, like you're hard on yourself for falling back into 
you know, an emotional low triggered by something that you saw, but then you're also hard on yourself if you're not like fully present and thinking about it enough. And it's kind of like, I mean, I, I can tell that that balance is, is really on your mind and it makes sense that it would be, but all of it is very human, you know, like yeah. pat yourself on the back that you're human. Imagine if you had watched the end of that show and there's this theme about girls and their fathers and you didn't you didn't react in this way. Like, and you felt nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that, that's yeah. not my friend Drew. Like that's not Noah's dad. So no, it's funny you, you say, I mean, being incredibly unproductive with how hard I am on myself. That's a theme that's that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not great with. And I've experienced that in a lot of like relatively speaking, superficial ways, like professionally and things like that. And I think the difference this time is it always feels these don't feel like being hard on myself. These feel like you have an opportunity to just remind yourself of don't ever live too far out at one end of, of any kind of spectrum. Touch them both, but find your place where you're comfortably in the middle of them. So this is, has been, I think, actually like one of the healthier expressions of yeah. challenge yourself to be better um, in a productive way as opposed to you know just, just beat yourself up for not being good enough or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. So in our last few minutes, I'm wondering if we can shift to kind of today, like where you're at now and then moving forward since this is going to be something that, you know, continues to be a part of your life and you don't know exactly how and you don't know exactly when to expect what, but what are you bringing from these last few months with you moving forward, what are things that you think you might leave behind and say, I was feeling this way or doing this or not doing this or whatever. And I might change that. Just kind of, how do you think about like navigating this as you look ahead? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's like cutting kind of right to the heart of the, how do you, how do you take this as an opportunity that you allowed to be like a big fork in the road in your life, or you just decided to, to sort of set it on the side and keep kind of doing things the same way. So I don't know that I have a really specific answer to that beyond, I mean, my awareness has just become a little bit more focused and urgent. And that's looked a little bit with relationships that have been around for a really long time and you change as a person and that's okay. And, you know, it's like, I don't think anybody has ill will towards their third grade friends that they're no longer friends with. And, and there's not really a difference that that can happen at other chapters of life too. And, you know, just allowing that stuff to be okay. Professionally, I think there's, that's a more measured, I'm a little more measured in the moves I make there because I, I don't, I feel like there's uh, what's involved in like the pie of why I work now, like used to just be a slice of like, is this me? And is this making me happy? And, and that is certainly still a part that I like listen to and honor and all that stuff. But there are also just like different parts that I, I really feel like I, I enjoy the responsibility of, um, of helping my family. So yeah, like more metered approach there, but same thing of just like, don't, it's not going to be that scary if you jump, like I guarantee that, that whatever I go out there and impart on myself won't be quite as awful as what was imparted on me. So you'll be fine. Do you think that this contributes to a little bit more of a fearlessness in in you? Or do you see that happening as you move forward? Or is it even the opposite of that? And you want to be more kind of careful and measured in 
other life decisions? Does it impact that at all? Fearlessness is definitely like not, that's not a word that, that sort of incites any emotion like one way or another. So that hasn't really, it hasn't been that kind of a feeling. I don't know. I mean, it's just really like a little more present and a little more in control because you sort of know what it feels like to not be in control. And I can't do anything about that space, but you sort of realize that the opposite is all the space you can control. And so I think like realizing, um, realizing those two things are both out there allows you to focus in on, on the one a little bit more. Well, this has been great. It was wonderful to talk to you more about this because obviously I've heard the updates and been thinking of you and been, you know, wanting to, to be there, but also not wanting to probe and just like everything that we've just talked about. So it's really nice to hear in depth more like what the experience was for you. And I really appreciate you sharing it. And I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So I just really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. (laughs) You betcha. Likewise, thank you for for letting me do this. It's honestly, it's probably really helpful for me. And I was just thinking about it as a podcast episode, but it's really good to talk through this stuff. If you want more peaking, make sure you're subscribed so you get notified whenever a new episode goes live. You can find peaking on pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Bonus points if you rate and leave a review. That would really mean a lot to me. And finally, follow Peking on Instagram at Peking Podcast. I'm there every day and I'd love to hear from you. That's all. Thanks, fam. <clears throat> okay, I have to get my like podcast voice on, even though is this the transition? Is this... Yeah, this is the part where I, where you'll see me change. Okay. <laughs>